isn't that nice? Good morning and welcome to your morning tradition on Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com, where we are... Living our faith. You know what this little cut of music is called, Lisa? What? Great Morning in Rio. With the Olympics, I thought this might work nice. Nice. And nice. You know what I was thinking? What's that? It kind of started out as, it sounded to me, a little bit like Santana. For those of you who don't know who Santana is, it's a Latin band. And then I thought, you know what? You never you never put together music with, hey, you know what? That sounds like a little Beethoven to me. <laughs> People who are into classical music do. They do that. Do they? You and I aren't that bright. Uh. (laughs) We just go, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, good. we got to call Dr. Childs and get him to tell us about that one. Mike and Lisa Austin here as we begin another work week together, or whatever you've got going this week. Yeah, the Olympics in Rio. Uh, Anybody following that stuff? Only sort of, because if you look up anything online, it's going to be right there. It will be. I, I normally don't. I heard that we won a gold or something in some kind of gun shooting thing. Some little teenage girl oh. shot a gun real good. Well, good for her. Or, I'm sorry, very well. Yeah. And then some French guy broke his leg like, whoa. Yeah, I saw that. If 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 you don't want to be grossed out, don't no, look that don't one up. don't even. It was the worst leg break since, uh, oh, I don't know what. Poor man. Well, we uh, we will welcome Father Peter Scott with us via Skype from uh, South Africa later to continue our discussion of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass today, the Sanctus, as only Father uh, Scott can can bring it to us. And today is the Feast of St. John Vianney, or yeah. some say Vianney. Yes, either way. I yes. like Vianney. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's acceptable either way. Okay. <laughs> I think so. All right. Because so I've heard it said both ways. Yeah. So, and patron saint of priests, which, oh, by the way, uh, praise be Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Now and forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, O Lord, grant us priests. O Lord, grant us holy priests. O Lord, grant us many holy priests. O Lord, grant us many holy traditional priests and religious. Amen. Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. Amen. God willing. God willing. Brand new class uh, next year in Virginia. Oh, yes. And, uh, start making your plans for that. So, uh, start, speaking of making your plans, we're going to mention again, August the 15th, a couple of things uh, that are top of mind that we want to keep top of mind for August the 15th. If you can make your plans now and be in Oklahoma City. You've got a week. You've got one week to, to make plans to be there for the massive reparation mm-hmm. and uh, the Blessed Sacrament right there in front of that uh, the public building in Bicentennial Park, and so look that up. And then also the Rosary Crusade will begin in one week. Correct, yes. Uh, Bishop Fillet's Rosary Crusade uh, for the intentions of, um, well, uh, the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, recite the rosary daily. Um, uh, oh, also the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary to uh, to uh, get that to happen. Consecrate Russia. The triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Mm-hmm. These are the three intentions that were announced. Uh, so another rosary crusade. And some folks might be going, oh, another rosary crusade? Well, yeah, this is number how many? I, I, I don't Four? know. Four? 
I think it is three or four. There's there's been plenty. This one is big. Yeah, it, they're important. That's why we do them. And this one is not just uh, rosaries. It's also sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have it at your chapel, uh, we had them at ours. They were downloadable PDF files. Um, so they just printed off a whole bunch of them. You can pick them up. But if you don't have one, uh, you can find that at sspx.org, the Society of St. Pius X's website. And uh, that'll be that. Um, coming up, we this week, I'm just looking at guests this week. We're going to have, of course, Father Peter Scott with us today. Uh-huh. Jesus Angel Miguel Garcia. That's right. With our Latin word of the day. Uh, yes. See. Si. Uh, let's see. We're going to have Jim Vogel on with us mm-hmm. from Angelus Press talking about their conference coming up in October. Right. Uh-huh. You can get your tickets now. How to get those. Um, we might talk with, depending on his time, Stephen Cox, who will join us with news here later in just a minute with headlines. But Stephen took a nice vacation, and we wanted to ask him about that. It was kind of a Catholic vacation, you know, get his take on that. And to lead right into the election, because he does host church and state. Yes, he does. And knows a lot about politics and things like that and uh, where this thing is going. And uh, I guess uh, Donald Trump did endorse Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a whole... It's just weirdness. There's <laughs> a the bunch of weird thing. stuff going on back so, and forth. Uh, I've heard it said that that's... Uh, I've heard it said by someone very learned that Hillary may drop out. Now, is that possible? I want to ask Mike... Or I want to ask Stephen that because... How could, if Hillary drops out, she's, I don't see that happening, for one thing. I don't see it happening But this either. guy, having worked in politics, said there's health reasons, and then there's also a whole lot of more stuff coming out on these emails, and there's other emails that are going to come out. You watch. Oh. And it's going to get real, real nasty. So As then, if it hasn't already. Right. So then who's going to take her place? Bernie Sanders? I don't know what happens there. If that were to happen. See, I want to ask Stephen that. Ah. Because there's third-party people, but I don't think that happens. I think, does her vice presidential nominee, does her running mate then? I don't know. What happened? So anyway, that was the, that was, and I should have asked. I said, well, if that happens, what goes on? But I was absent that day in civics class, so I I don't know. We'll figure (laughs) that one out. Today is also International Cat Day. I don't know how they get their own day. They don't deserve it, but. You know, whatever. If they get That's one, what Father Ascara would say. Exactly. If they get one, they get one. Let's take a break. And uh, speaking of Stephen Cox, let's see what he's got going on with news headlines today. Stephen, what are you working on? Hillary Clinton's post-convention bump in the polls is holding steady. According to 538.com, Clinton leads Trump by an average of seven points in several national polls. Three American bishops wrote a blog post on the USCCB's website that was essentially a slap on the wrist of Vice President Joe Biden. Biden last week, quote-unquote, married two men at his residence in Washington. The Israeli and Lebanese Olympic teams became involved in a heated argument over transportation to their opening ceremonies in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. During the incident, Israeli athletes were blocked from boarding a bus filled with Lebanese Olympians. The Israelis said that the act was intentional and that one of the coaches blocked the door to the entrance of the bus. Two police officers have been attacked with a machete outside a police station in Belgium. The officers, both women, were assaulted in a city just south of Brussels on Saturday afternoon. According to local police, the attacker was shot by a third officer at the scene and has since died. For Magnifica Radio News, I'm Stephen Cox.
All right, Stephen Cox will be along with uh, details on those stories and more here in just a few minutes after our first segment with Father Peter Scott. But we can't get to him, Lisa, unless I ask you this question. What's that? How can you know where you're going? If you don't know where you've been. That's why we do history. We have made history. Any day in history. Day that will go down in history. History of this day. This day in history. This day in history. Today happens to be August the 8th. It's the 221st day in the year of our Lord, 2016. Lisa was on this day back in 1786, a bunch of guys, a couple of guys, one was a doctor, that's probably a good thing, they climbed Mont Blanc on the French-Italian border, climbed for the first time Jacques Balmont and Dr. Michael or Michel Gabriel Picard, and that's back when they just had, you know, a little hiking shoes, barely. And a couple of ropes. That was about all they had. Wow. Amazing. You ever want to see My Side of the Mountain? Remember that one? No. The Disney. We got it upstairs in the bin. My Side of the Mountain with Disney. That'll show you how they climb mountains. Okay. On this day in 1793, the insurrection of Lyon occurs during the French Revolution. In 1863, following the defeat of the Battle of Gettysburg, General Robert E. Lee sent a letter of resignation off to Jefferson Davis, which he promptly refused. Yes. On this day in 1876, Thomas Edison receives a patent for his mimeograph. Mom and Dad, you're going to have to explain, or maybe even Grandma and Grandpa, explain to Mom and Dad and the kids what a mimeograph is, okay? Because they don't do those anymore. 1885. Do you know? Huh? Do you know? Yeah, we used to get all our test papers that way, and it smelled like glue. Really? Yeah. You remember like, the big drum, and they would roll off the stuff? The maybe you're I, old, I am older than you. Wow. <laughs> Never mind. I grew up in a small town. 1885, more than 1.5 million people attended the funeral of Ulysses S. Grant. That happened in New York City. Oh, on this day in 1908, Wilbur Wright makes the his first public flight as a race course. At a race course. You got that one? No, go for it. All right. Wilbur Wright made his first public flight at a race course in Le Mans, France. This was the Wright brothers' first public flight. Because they at Kitty Hawk, that was all kind of a private area there. That was kind of a private thing they did right there. Got it? Got it. You could do the crank great terrain robbery then. No, go ahead. <laughs> Come on. Okay. 1963, the Great Train Robbery in England. A gang of 15 train robbers steal 2.6 million pounds. Pounds. In, in banknotes. Bank it's like, what did we say? We did six the million. Six million or 16 million U.S. dollars, something like that. You said six million. Equivalent. Mm. And in 1969, this is that famous picture was taken by Ian McMillan uh, on a crosswalk in London of the Beatles crossing uh, the street, and that became the cover of Abbey Road. And now you know where it is that you have been, because that's your day in history. We will take a break and come back. Here in just a second. International Cat Day. It's also international, or no, national. Put a zucchini on your neighbor's front porch day. (laughs) Everybody's got zucchini now this time of year. It's coming on. Mike and Lisa Austin just trying to get through a Monday. Father Peter Scott will add some sanity to our show in just a minute as we go through the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, looking at the Sanctus. Up next, deeply with Father Peter Scott, here on your morning tradition, Mike and Lisa Austin, Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com, where we are... Living Our Faith. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Your Morning Tradition here on Magnificat Radio at MagnificatMedia.com, where we are... Living our faith. Mike Lee's Austin in the Bunker Studios, where we welcome, once again via Skype from South Africa, as we work in conjunction with the uh, South, with the African District of the SSPX on their online radio efforts, which are coming closer and closer to fruition. Please welcome, once again, as we discuss the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, Father Peter Scott. Father, it's so good to have you back with us once again. How you doing, Mike and Lisa? Uh, we're doing well. We're I doing think good, we're doing thank okay. you. I usually try not to make the assumption of how I'm doing until I ask Lisa how I'm doing, and then she tells me how I'm doing. So, you know, that's, <laughs> there's always that. <laughs> Father, oh, we, boy. we left off last time with the prefaces as we move on through the uh, Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. One of the, uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably one of the more ancient parts of the Mass as we move to the Sanctus. How old is the Sanctus, actually? The Sanctus certainly dates from the very beginning of liturgical history, and it's in the most ancient manuscripts. And in fact, the Sanctus, really, it's taken from the Old Testament. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's not an invention of the Church. It's a text. Now, the text of the Sanctus is made up of several different parts, some of which are taken from the book of Isaiah. Some are taken from Psalm 117, some are taken from St. Mark's Gospel, some from St. Matthew's Gospel, and they have all joined together to make this wonderful little chant of the Sanctus, which actually is nothing other than the continuation of the preface. The preface is a solemn thanksgiving to the Most Holy Trinity, to Almighty God, in which we mention one or other of the blessings that have come to us through the mystery of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the prophecy of Isaiah is, it's in chapter 6 of his prophecy that Isaiah relates his vision of Almighty God and he saw the seraphim who are adoring Almighty God and singing this song. And the seraphim had six wings each, two wings to fly with, two wings to cover cover their feet with, and two wings to cover their faces out of reverence and respect for the Divine Majesty. And they were singing, Sanctus, 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 Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of hosts, the earth is full of thy glory. And that's what they were singing. And, and if, and, and, and the prophet Isaiah felt totally unworthy to see this vision of the Godhead. But what's very interesting here is that they were seeing holy, holy, holy three times over. Mm-hmm. The fathers of the church interpret that, St. Ambrose in particular, as saying that this is the thrice holy God, and this is a sign that God is three in one, three persons in one God. Of course, it's not a proof of the Trinity, which was not fully revealed in the Old Testament, but it's an indication of the mystery of the Trinity. And when we sing the Sanctus, we sing it to praise the three persons in the one holy divinity, the three persons in one God. Now, this text, holy, 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 the Lord God of hosts, means the Lord God of armies. Host means armies, means the heavenly hosts, means the angels who are fighting for the honor and glory of God. And we are honoring the Almighty God who has all these angels defending His majesty. And and then it says, The earth is full of thy glory. Now the church has changed that and added to it, and the heaven and the earth. Right. So we say in in the liturgy, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. And so in that we're using, the church modifies a little bit the text of Isaiah because divine revelation is much more explicit since the time of Isaiah 
eight centuries before Christ. And so now we know much more about heaven. And we know that heaven is full of the glory of Almighty God. And that's where our divine Savior is, along with his blessed mother and the saints. And they're giving all the honor and glory to the most holy trinity. And that's why we conclude heaven along with the earth giving glory to Almighty God. I love how it's it's as if when we do the Sanctus every time in Mass, I feel as if we're singing right along with the angels. Like we're part of that army you were mentioning before, you know? And then, of course, that's the whole point of it, to ensure our union with the angels, because each of the prefaces finishes up with the, how, with the list of how the angels are praising the divine majesty. So we are united with them. It's part of the church, whether the church militant on earth, but united with the church triumphant in heaven, seeing the heavenly praises, and the mass is the praise, the sacrifice that gives praise to the most holy, which sacrifice is united with the prayers of the saints in heaven. There's no sacrifice in heaven. We have a sacrifice on this earth, but it's all to the praise of the divine majesty and to the honor of Almighty God. Father, I've noticed at Mass, when we do the Sanctus, some people drop to their knees, some people don't. What's the posture? Shouldn't we be on our knees? Okay, the uh, the liturgy does not prescribe the posture for the laity or of assisting at Mass. Yeah. It does prescribe the posture for the priest. And when the priest says the Sanctus, he bows over at a moderate bow, out of respect for the first part of the Sanctus. And then when he says, blessed, and he makes a sign of the cross, he says, blessed be he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Then he, he, he stands upright at that stage to welcome our divine Savior, who is about to come on the altar and who will come at the end of the world. And so when he sings the Sanctus or says the Sanctus, he's bowed over. Now, what do the faithful do? Well, the liturgy doesn't say, so a lot of it is going to depend upon local custom. And the church does not force either way. But there is a principle here. At a high mass, the rubrics that are generally followed require that the clergy who assist in choir, they stand for the singing of the sanctus. Why is that? Because you always stand when you sing in the church, whether it be the Gloria or the Kyrie or the Sanctus or the Creed. You stand to sing. It's the, the posture to sing with is to stand. At the end of the Sanctus, then you kneel and you kneel for the sacred part of the canon of the Mass. Yeah. And so that's the position that's followed at a high Mass. And a low Mass is not prescribed. When the low Mass is given with responses and the people make the responses, they will generally stand for the saying of the Sanctus and kneel at the end. But it is the custom in many English-speaking countries that as soon as the old boy rings the Sanctus bell, mm-hmm. everybody falls to their knees. Which is fine. It's a way of expressing the uh, reverence for the thrice holy majesty of Almighty God. But it's not the one which is most the posture which is most in agreement with the high mass as being the original form of mass which we should follow but in this case the most important thing is to follow the local custom hmm. so as not to cause any disturbance so maybe uh, maybe uh, the, the the local uh, you know folks at the chapel maybe could just get together it just bothers me that every some people are standing some are kneeling I don't know maybe that's just a little quirk of mine the, the reason is that uh, the priests usually do not like to insist on one or other thing since the rubrics do not prescribe it mm-hmm. and so uh, it's uh, the priest will usually allow people to do as they see fit 
Mm-hmm. But uh, it's only when you have a school or a monastery or a convent or a seminary or a group that then you then everybody sticks to the same 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 postures because you have to do it together. Yes. So the Sanctus, it, it, and it is a beautiful. I think it's a beautiful prayer on its own that you can say even outside of mass. I love it. Uh, so now, does that pretty much cover the Sanctus? Seems like it should be deeper than that, but it, that pretty much says it, right? I haven't finished yet. Oh. We, just, we just talked about the first part of the Sanctus. I see. The first part, <laughs> the first part of the Sanctus is the part that came from the prophet Isaiah. And that's the part where the priest bends down and repeats the seraphic hymn or the chant of the seraphim. But when he's, he comes erect, he says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And there he's repeating words which were repeat, which were said first of all in Psalm 117. Now Psalm 117 is a messianic psalm which speaks about the Messiah to come and it talks about Christ who is the rock which the stone which the builders have rejected and which is now has become the head of the corner and this is the Lord's doing and we must rejoice in it because this is the day which the Lord hath made and then it goes on to say Lord save me Hosanna that's what it means O Lord save me and a Lord gives success. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And it's referring to the Messiah. The Christ will come in the name of the Lord. And it's a prophecy of the Messiah to come who will be acknowledged as the one who saves us and the one who comes in the name of his Father, the name of the Lord. And on Palm Sunday, when the children of the Hebrews and all the people are copied our divine Savior from the Mount of Olives down to the city of Jerusalem with their palms singing him they claimed, they cried out Hosanna in the highest blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord and in that you find it in St. Mark's Gospel and in St. Matthew's Gospel without even perhaps realizing it they were accomplishing the prophecy of Psalm 117 and that's precisely what we do at the Mass. We're accompanying our divine Savior as He comes down from the Mount of Olives to the city of Jerusalem where He will suffer on the cross. We're, we're accompanying our divine Savior to the mystery of the redemption, to the unbloody renewal of the sacrifice of the cross. And this is what's going to open up the gates of heaven and to our souls. And so we're accompanying Him saying, Blessed He who cometh in the name of the Lord. He, came, he comes in the name of, the, of His Father from heaven to give us eternal salvation. And and we say that word Hosanna, which means it's a, it's, a, it's a Hebrew exclamation, which means a great joy and happiness that we must have as we accompany our divine Savior and exult in Him, bringing us into the city of Jerusalem, which is a symbol of heaven. How people don't see that connection is, is surprising to me when you explain this and it gives me a much better appreciation of the Mass. Sure. But when you describe it as the way you did, and it, it, I just don't understand how people can't see that connection. More people. It's certainly true that it's it's a sense of the reverence which is due to Almighty God, the majesty and the joy in being able to honor and praise and adore Him, which penetrates the traditional liturgy. And it's truly... Uh, otherworldly it lifts us up to heaven to divine things if we simply think about the words mm-hmm. and 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 these words are so simple so beautiful 
and then they will help us then to transition into the canon of the Mass. Hmm. It certainly does. And, and, and uh, we're, by the way, we're talking with Father Peter Scott, as usual, via Skype from South Africa, as we move through the explanation of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. A deeper explanation, giving us a deeper appreciation for things that sometimes, quite frankly, we take I'm as guilty as anyone for granted, as Lisa said. You know, you say these things every weekend um, and and every Sunday. And I would think, Father, and I'm just being candid here, I would think even for priests, as you do this every single day, and you do, you know, priests have a deeper appreciation for the words being said in that. But it is hard on a human side to say things over and over, to get into a routine and a habit, and to sort of forget uh, the, the deep meaning behind the words. It's certainly true that we all have to fight against the danger of routine and because we all have this – we're certain old – we've got this oldness about us that we fail to see the, the, the novelty, the beauty, the youth, the simplicity of these prayers. And that's what's characteristic of the Roman liturgy is precisely its simplicity, and that simplicity is what should always make us rejoice. But you have to think of it. You have to reflect about it. And the same applies for all the prayers of the Mass, which are so simple and so beautiful. You have to reflect upon them, and which means you have to meditate upon them. It's not enough just for a priest to say the Mass. Mm-hmm. He has to meditate on the Mass. He has to meditate upon the text of the Mass. He has to reflect upon them. And then he, he prepares himself for the Holy Sacrifice correctly. You know, you don't rush off of the jump out of your car and jump into the sacristy and off you go and start mass you won't be recollected to truly appreciate what's going on and the same applies for the lay people too you know you know wait till the the the, the priest walks under the altar the bell rings and oops better get into church now and kneel down you know no, we have to prepare it we have to prepare it by recollecting ourselves but that's, that's what true. we see happening time and time again. On we occasion, often do. Yes. I, I, we need to open our missiles other than on Sunday, don't we, Father? It certainly helps a lot for us to read through the missile. That's why I keep telling my faithful, get to Mass 10 minutes early, open up your missile, find the text, look at the text of, of the propers of the day, Look at just take a look, get all the pages marked, take a look, think about, about one of the texts, and then you're prepared for, for assisting in the Holy Sacrifice, and it will remain always new and novel, and it will keep you young, because God gives joy to our youth. Father Peter Scott via Skype from South Africa. We're going to take a, a little break and come back and finish out this. Uh, we're just uh, running a little short. We're going to take a break for some news, etc. Uh, Father Peter Scott from South Africa. We'll talk more about the Sanctus and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And the way maybe we can get a little bit of the canon in, in just a minute. And then uh, later on, we'll explore international, well, actually just national, leave a zucchini on your neighbor's porch day. I think it's kind of, kind of nice. It's coming up. Mike and Lisa Austin here on Magnificat Radio. MagnificatMedia.com, where we are. Living our faith. Welcome back to your morning tradition. Magnificat Radio at MagnificatMedia.com. Monday morning coming down, the 8th of August already. Kids getting back to school soon. Back to school. They've got back to school stuff. That's been in the stores forever. We've been back to school for like months. (laughs) (laughs) We've never left. But there's Thanksgiving stuff in stores now, which is just wrong. So anyway. A little too soon. A little too soon for Christmas. Uh, Here we are. That's the way of the world. Your morning tradition, where we are. Living our faith. We're talking to Father Peter Scott 
via Skype from South Africa. We left off. We were talking about the Sanctus today. Hopefully, we can get to the canon. I don't know. We'll see. But the Sanctus, Father, you were talking about um, the 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 prayers within the Sanctus. Father, do, can you tell us in the Novus Ordo, do they still have these prayers too, or no? No, they have retained the Sanctus in the Novus Ordo Mass, and it is still retained, and it's exactly the same as for us, except for there is no sign of the cross when we say, Blessed is he who came with the name of the Lord, and the rubrics do not prescribe the priest to bend over moderately when he says the Sanctus. Mm, And it's very interesting that in the new Mass they have the four Eucharistic prayers. One of them is the second Eucharistic prayer. Supposedly the Eucharistic prayer of Hippolytus, which of course, who was an anti-pope in the third century. And that's where they supposedly got this this invented uh, second Eucharistic prayer from. Now the so-called Eucharistic prayer of Hippolytus has no sanctus. And we don't even know if it was ever used for anything. But every other liturgy has a sanctus. But in the New Mass, even though they use this second Eucharistic prayer, supposedly from Hippolytus, they still retained the sanctus. Because it's so ancient, it's so universal, you can't do away with the sanctus. And so they did retain the sanctus, but uh, without the sign of the cross. And so after the sanctus, it leads us right to the canon of the Mass? Yes, now, what is the canon of the Mass? Because we have to understand, before we begin to talk about the individual prayers, what is so special about the canon of the Mass? Why it's called a canon in the first place. You know, the word canon, we're not very familiar with it. A cannon for us is something to shoot cannonballs with (laughs) at the enemy. But this is not the meaning of the word canon in the liturgy. It's a Greek word, and it means a rule. And a rule which never changes, which is why we use the same word canon for canon law, the law of the church which doesn't change. Which And, and so the, the, the canon of the Mass is that rule for celebrating Mass, which is that part of the ordinary which never changes and has very few little modifications. There are a few, uh, always been a few modifications for special feast days. We have the proper communicantes and we have three proper hung isitur endings. But apart from that, the canon is absolutely unchangeable and it is the most ancient part of the Mass and certainly dates from the earliest century. It was written in Greek and translated from the Greek, as we can see, in the first three centuries of the church when Latin was spoken in Rome, the canon of the Mass was was recited in Greek. And it was only in the fourth century that it was translated into Latin when people stopped speaking Latin so much. And Latin became then the the liturgical language because it's no longer the spoken language from day to day. And and it shows that the custom of having a sacred language dates back from the early church. So that when Latin was spoken in Rome, they used Greek. And we can see it's very clear from anybody who's got any linguistic ability that the canon of the Mass is actually a translation from the Greek text, which also exists in very ancient forms. And uh, then you come to the questions the thing that really puzzles people at first, particularly people who are not raised as traditional Catholics, mm-hmm. is why is the canon of the Mass recited in silence? Yeah. Because in the Eastern Rites of the Church, it's not recited in silence as it is in the Roman Rite. And of course, in the modern Church, it's said out aloud. And so the question is, why does the priest say these prayers in silence? 
And it is important to understand the reasons behind this ancient tradition and custom of the church, which goes back to the early centuries. And the first reason for that is it's the sacred, the most sacred part of the Mass. And the silence is used to cover the sacredness, the holiness of this prayer, which then brings into our presence, down onto the altar, the most sacred action that God could perform for us, which is when he died upon the cross. And these prayers are the sacred prayers, holy prayers, and the silence protects the sacredness and holiness. Secondly, the silence allows people to pray and unite themselves in heart and soul with Jesus on the cross, which is the essence of the sacrifice of the Mass and the canon of the Mass. It's not the, the individual words and prayers which are said, but the union with our divine Savior on the cross, which is most important. And a third reason why it is that the canon is recited in silence is it's the priestly prayer by excellence. It is the prayer of that of the one who alone has the power to offer the sacrifice and it is the priest who prays his prayer. It's not a prayer for the laity, it's a prayer for the one who offers the sacrifice. Nowadays, of course, everybody has his missal and he can follow the words of that prayer, but that's something that only dates for about 110 years. Before the beginning of the 20th century, the laity did not have missals, they weren't able to follow those prayers, and those prayers were, were priestly prayers, and the people were in their pews would unite themselves in spirit with the whole meaning and purpose of the sacrifice they didn't have to read the prayers now we encourage our faithful to read the prayers so they can understand the mind of the church because this prayer is a prayer of the church and if anything in the tradition of the church is inspired by the Holy Ghost it's the prayer of the canon of the mass which is so majestic, so simple, so profound, so divine, so uplifting, so essentially supernatural, so focused on the things that really matter for the salvation of our soul, so penetrated with the sense of reverence and dependence upon God's grace and His help, and so so uniting ourselves with Jesus on the cross that it's the most perfect prayer which has come down to us from antiquity we have no idea who wrote it it's 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 timeless and comes from the earliest centuries of the church and it's something which has been passed down what we do know for a fact is that it has had no changes to it since the time of St. Gregory the Great who tells us that he added a little bit to the Hung Isidur, the second half of the Hung Isidur, and that's the change he made to the canon of the Mass. Pope Vigilius, who lived earlier than him in the middle of the 6th century, says that it is of apostolic origin from the apostles themselves. Oh, right. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to believe that every single word in the canon of the Mass comes down from the Apostles or from St. Peter, who was the Apostle who founded, of course, the Roman Rites. But what it means is the essential things came down from the Apostles and then they were developed with time in the first three centuries of the Church till we get the full prayers that we have now. There's nothing more ancient than the Roman canon, and people often speak about the antiquity of the Eastern Rites. But the Eastern Rites, which are very beautiful and also very ancient, are not even as ancient as the Roman Rites, at least in the canon of the Mass. What's different is the Roman Rite developed other parts of the Mass in great detail, such as the propers of the Mass and the chants and the offertory prayers, but the canon is as antiquity 
ancient as anything in the history of the church could be. I often, when I'm trying to go along with the priest, I know he's he's talking in silence, and as he's going along, I'm reading along with the canon. I can I never end up at the same time. I don't care what pace I'm going at, fast or slow. I try to I try to match. I never end up there. Either way, I'm done too soon, or most likely, I'm always done way too late. But yes, now the reason for that is that Latin is a very precise language, and it uses fewer words to say the same things than English does, uh, and it and so it it doesn't take so long to say the Latin as it does to say the English, and furthermore, the priest knows the canon of the mass by heart, and so he's able to move through it quite quickly, yeah. and he doesn't you know he doesn't stumble over his words. He moves quite quickly through it, and so and he's following the prescription of the church is it's not the time to meditate and to dwell upon it you have to simply say the prayer of the church the church tells the priest how he must say it he says it silently but he must say it vocally he must vocalize all the words because it is a vocal prayer it's not a mental prayer and because it is a vocal prayer it means that the priest must say the words and he must say the words clearly in such a way that he can be heard by himself, not by others. He has to be able to hear himself say the words. And when he hears himself say the words, then he's uttering them vocally. And that's what he must do. But must be softly so that other people do not hear the words at the same time. I see. Father Peter Scott from South Africa via Skype. And that's going to actually take up all our time uh, for the day today, Father. And I think it's a good place to leave it because next time perhaps we can start at the top, go through the uh, the prayers uh, you know, of the living and, and, and all of that with the canon of the Mass. Certainly, yes, we can talk. We'll talk about each of the individual prayers and also the gestures that accompany the prayers, which are prescribed in the traditional rite and which are very symbolic and which it's good for the for the faithful to see and acknowledge and notice those gestures because they all have a meaning which helps to lift our souls to God. Wonderful. Father, we appreciate everything you've done. I know it's at night there. When we talk to you, it's uh, evening time there in uh, in South Africa, so we appreciate you uh, staying up with us, and uh, we'll look forward to the next time with Father Peter Scott here on Magnificat Radio as we go through the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Thank you, Father. Nice talking with you, Mike and Lisa. God bless now. God bless, Father. Father Peter Scott, usually uh, on with us every Monday, just about, as we've been going through. Gosh, how long have we been going through the Mass, Lisa? Talking it's with been Father. Qu- at least a couple months. Yeah. But he likes to Maybe get detailed. More. I like that, though. So do I. Detailed and in-depth in things right. you didn't think about, maybe. Exactly. All right, we're going to take a break and come back. Hey, dig this just for a little bit. It's a little Monday morning Mozart, even though this is Tchaikovsky. Okay. There you Thank go. you. We'll be back in a minute. Michael Lisa Austin on your morning tradition, where we are. Living our faith. Good morning and welcome back to your morning tradition here on Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com, where we are. Living our faith. Our traditional Catholic faith, our thanks to Father Peter Scott for being on this morning and for Stephen Cox as well. We're going to talk to Stephen later in the week, a little more in depth about the political race going on, things like that. And what else did I want to bring to your attention? Well, some of the guests, I think we mentioned that earlier in the show. This week lined up for you, uh, 
Jesus Angel Miguel Garcia, uh-huh. a Latin word of the day. And that's just a, it's a nice little segment where we like to delve into some of the Latin, sometimes Latin words that you don't even realize are Latin, regular everyday words that have their Latin root and where that came from and how it fits into the faith. Jesus is very good about making that connection for us. Yes. So I don't know what day we're having him on, actually. Do I you think know? it's Tuesday. Might be tomorrow. Yes. Tune in. You'll know when we know. How about that? <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and, of course, Louis Tafari will join us again this week, as he always does, uh, talking about uh, well, learning about the Roman liturgy and uh, his uh, website, uh, Romanitas Press. We're going to get Stephen on at some point. We want to talk about his vacation. We want to talk about the political uh, atmosphere. Uh, Jim Vogel will join us later in the week to talk uh, a little bit, just a real brief segment on the Angeles Press Conference, which comes up in Kansas City mm-hmm. in October. Right. And, oh, the Father's Show this week. Yeah. The Trad Dad Roundtable, Wednesday, all throughout your day. And a couple What's of going on night, there? I think. We're going to talk, Tim uh, Meinholz, my, uh, my co-host and I, we're going to talk about uh, family budgets. Oh, good one. Living within your means. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I'm going to mention that little experiment we did where we tried to live a day without electricity. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. And the lights went out? <laughs> Whoa, boy. And uh, also we want to, uh, oh, we're going to have John Vasco on with us. Mr. Vasco lives out in the hinterlands of Michigan, raises his own chickens, uh, relies on wind and solar power. Uh, he he trims his family budget by being self-reliant. Oh, that's going to be a really good show. As per, well, I hope so. I hope so. And if you have ideas for any of our shows, the Trad Dad Roundtable of a Fatherhood, if you have anything for us you'd like us to cover here on your morning tradition, uh, anything like that, pass that along to us. Actually, you, they can send it to Mike at MagnificatMedia.com, right? Because now it goes to your other emails. It's always done that. Not really. Really? Really. I thought I set that up early. Well, anyway, it goes to my other emails. I get them. I get the emails finally. You can send it to me or Lisa, whichever, and uh, we'll look into that. If you would like to hear your chapel's name, it doesn't matter if you're SSPX chapel, as long as you're a traditional Catholic chapel and you're listening to our voice and you would like to hear your chapel's name on, we would love to invite you to send along an MP3 file of your choir mm-hmm. singing a traditional Catholic hymn, chant, whatever you're good at. You don't even have to be that good at it. And we will spotlight you. That would be a beautiful thing. We did that for St. Isidore the Farmer out in yeah. Denver. Because they were putting together a CD. They did over Christmas. Yeah. So if you want to look at that blog, you can, and you can still are connected to um, their site, and if you want to purchase it, you can. But yeah. yes, we did feature them back at Christmas time, and, and and we tend to because we are a traditional Catholic uh, apostolate. Uh, we tend to have folks from the SSPX uh, tune in and contribute and things like that. Uh, but really, we open it up to all traditionalists. If you are a chapel and uh, think you got a pretty good choir, although. Like I said, you don't have to have a great choir because it's the effort. It's the it's the heart behind it, isn't it? Ex- absolutely. Right. So yeah. we want to hear your stuff. All right. And we will spotlight you in and uh, say your, your name and all of that, your chapel's name. That'd be cool. Today is international, by the way, International Cat Day. I don't know how they ended up with their own day. Not just 
here, but worldwide. <laughs> Do the dogs get their own day? They, it, well, what the, about we're the human the, beings? Dogs get their way, get several days. We're in the dog days of summer right now. Oh, okay. They get several days. <laughs> and how International Cat Day falls right in the middle of, inter, of uh, the dog days of summer, that's just not supposed to happen. But it did, and so, yeah. Uh, I'm not a cat guy. Not, not a real cat lover. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This I am, though. <laughs> Today is sneak some zucchini onto your porches, uh, your neighbor's porch day. Now, why do you have to sneak it? I don't think you should have to. Zucchini is like a Just national... Just knock on the door and say, here, here's some zucchini. Would it, you like some? It's like handing your neighbor a big hunk of love, really. Yeah. Here's a big, long, green piece of love. Unless, of course, you're allergic to it, then it's not a big hunk of love. Well, no. <laughs> Who's allergic to it? It doesn't. You just sit don't like me. it. No, it doesn't sit with me. I well. wouldn't say you're allergic to it, though. It does nasty things to my colon. Uh, well, there you go. We needed to hear that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's my wife. I'm it, talking pain here. Okay, but still. <laughs> pain. That's what I'm talking. Zucchini. It, everybody has zucchini. It's like the easiest thing ever to grow. If you can only grow weeds. You throw a zucchini in the ground. It'll grow. It'll grow like crazy. <laughs> and just climb out. It's got you try to keep it contained. It goes, "No, I'm zucchini. I'm coming out." <laughs> you get these big curly ones and the curved ones and everything. So, anyway, everybody's got enough zucchini and then some. Do you know the other way I can eat zucchini? You want to hear it? Oh, please. I can't wait. In bread. Oh, you can eat it in bread? I can. I don't know why, but if you cook zucchini in the bread, um, it does something to the sugars, I bet. Or I don't know. It. Yeah. it doesn't bother me. Well, it's like me with onions. The only way I can eat them is if you if you fry them up. Saute it, yeah. Yeah, if you roast onions, if you, if you cook them. Yeah, it's something to do with the baking. All right, well, there you go. Now you learned something science-y this morning. How about it, that? Yep. A little trip to the Magnifica Media Kitchen, which, again, there's another show we're looking at. If you have a uh, recipe, uh, I'm looking at like probably 10, 15 minutes of... Here's your like, kind of like we do with uh, with Christina Perez and the uh-huh. homeschooling tip of the week. Here's your traditional Catholic cooking tip of the week. Here's your traditional Catholic, you know, Irish, Italian, whatever, Polish recipe of the week. That sounds awesome. And we'll have the recipe and a little of the story behind it. You know, generally around Christmas, Easter, you get a lot of that. But there are great ethnic dishes, Catholic ethnic dishes. There are. Throughout the year. So we'd like to find some of those. Please email those. Tell your friends. Let us know about that. And uh, we're still working on the herb show. Yes, so we are. The uh, That may end up being a thing where we have her on as a guest. Jean will come on as a guest on our show, and then we'll play that segment throughout the day or something. Oh, fine. Yeah. Well, we get that information out to the folks, because it's good information. It you have is. no idea what's lurking there in your backyard that'll help you out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just some of the things we're working on here for you on Magnificat Radio, just to, so that you know, we're uh, we're always adding to content for you to make your life better, to help you live your faith. This is what we're about, right? Practicality. That's what it is. Magnificat Radio. MagnificatMedia.com. Hey, Lisa, guess what? What? That's going to do it for the day. Okay. We have now... We've wrapped it up. Wrapped it up. Well, we are in the process of... Our thanks to you for being part of our day. I have to get something a little perkier than that to end the show. Sorry. I just That's do. That's fine. All right, good. We're wrapping up the morning. Yes, And if of you're course. hearing it in the afternoon, we're wrapping up your afternoon. Yes. So God bless you, everyone. And thank you. Hey, 
I just want to say one other thing. Go ahead. I want to thank everybody, all our benefactors out there. Oh, yeah. We are having a mass set for them because of their generous donations. We are supported by you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, without your generous donations, the lights don't stay on, and we don't get to do this fun thing together with you every day. We have web people to pay. We have all kinds of folks that do things we don't know how to do. <laughs> Yeah. That keep us going. And so this is about all we know how to do here is just yap and yap and yap and pray. So that's what we do. So with your generous, generous donations, tax deductible because we're a 501c3. That's correct. We get to go on. Our thanks to you. God bless. All right. Go boldly. <laughs> <laughs>